Folks, what's going on? Friday, once again, I'm back with you. We are, you know, locked and loaded, as always. Friday, November 15th, 2019, and there's been a lot going on just in the last 24 hours. Uh, never mind the last week or so since I've been back on the airwaves. Um, obviously, we got a lot to talk about, you know, whether it's going to be Miles Garrett's uh, interaction last night. I mean, it's just, and I say interaction because what else are you going to call it? His assault, if you want to go that far. Um, we'll definitely top on that a little bit. You know, we got some college football rankings that I want to dive into and discuss. Uh, some MLB awards that went out, you know, kind of what I think on those. Did they go to the right people? Uh, and obviously just a little bit of up-to-date uh, ESPN news or NFL news from ESPN, I should say, um, related to the Eagles signing of JHI today and what that means for the team going forward. Um, before we go into anything farther, folks, as always, 47 Foot Friday brought to you by Amherst Pizza and Ale House. Um, obviously, you know, I've been there a lot over the past couple of weeks. They got great beer specials. They got great food specials, great wings, uh, about 50 TVs circling the whole joint. So if you're ever uh, looking for a place to go in the North Towns and you need to watch some baseball, football, hockey, whatever, uh, head on down there. I mean, they're definitely the right place to go. I think it's, in my opinion, probably the best all-around sports bar that we have up in the North Towns. So um, definitely go there. You know, you'll never be disappointed believing there. Um, whether you just go for food or drinks, whatever the case is. <clears throat> Starting off, obviously a hot topic, something I feel very, very passionate about. As uh, the NFL, they issued out an indefinite ban for the Cleveland Browns, Miles Garrett. Um, obviously, he, you know, for anyone who has not seen the game or heard of what went down last night, um, if you're listening to my show, you obviously are a relative fan of sports, or you're just a fan of me, and I appreciate you. Um, but last night, the NFL had just a melee, and I say a melee, melee, a fight, go down on the field between Miles Garrett and the Steelers quarterback, Mason Rudolph. Uh, looked like Miles Garrett took Mason Rudolph down to the ground. Mason Rudolph was, you know, took a little bit of exception to the throw. Um, it did actually, after I was looking at a bunch of different videos, it looked like Mason Rudolph went at Miles Garrett's head, um, so, kind of in the sense where he was trying to rip off Miles Garrett's helmet first. Uh, kind of looked like he failed, and that you know kind of ticked off Miles Garrett, and Garrett retaliated to Mason Rudolph, ripping off his helmet, basically one swift movement. Um, and then while he was trying to get restrained from a couple of Rudolph's teammates on the Steelers. He just went full tomahawk chop with the helmet in hand and caught Mason Rudolph right, honestly, it looked like right on the crown of the head, uh, at least, you know, kind of towards the top of it. So realistically, you know, that's, I'm not trying to exaggerate too hard. It's been about, you know, a little less than 24 hours, but that's a swing that can kill someone. I mean, you're taking, you know, when you swing a helmet like that, a helmet I read off of the internet today, so I know it's true, uh, weighs about six pounds. And if you're swinging that, a brick, like just a red brick, is about five. You're basically swinging a red brick at someone's head. And if that caught Mason Rudolph right, I'm not putting it past the realm of possibility that he would have absolutely been knocked out. That's something that causes serious brain damage, could have messed him up and ended his career. Um, so, you know, Miles Garrett is nothing short of a scumbag. Um, I obviously think that the indefinite suspension was the right move. 
Uh, he's suspended for the rest of this regular season, this postseason if the Browns should make it, and then he will have to meet with the commissioner to get reinstated before 2020. Um, and honestly, I'm, I mean, I called for him to at least be suspended for the rest of this year and next year. I really think he should not see the field in 2020. Um, does that happen? I don't know. He's obviously not seeing the field back in 2019, which is honestly a lot more than a lot of people probably would have thought about the NFL. The NFL is not very strict on their punishments. And I wouldn't even say strict. They are very inconsistent. They are consistently inconsistent. Um, you could beat your child and get suspended probably three games. Um, but, you know, God forbid you smoke a joint um, and you're out for the rest of the year. So, um, you know, you never really know exactly where the NFL's priority lies. They've been preaching safety among the players and safety in their game. Um, and this is something that I think the NFL is finally, I don't want to say putting a foot down on because I, you know, wouldn't trust the NFL as far as I could throw them that they would issue the same punishment should this happen again, you know, on Sunday. Um, I think it would be very different. But at the same time, you know, you finally see the NFL you know, kind of practicing what they preach. Uh, and you know, it's not something you get from this league. Uh, NHL is decent about it. NBA is probably the best at it. Uh, MLB, you know, here and there, I guess they're pretty in, you know, inconsistent with their rulings on punishments too. Um, but the NFL is, you know, by far the least consistent league in terms of handing out punishments and keeping it standard across the league. Um, obviously, you know, you're not going to be able to say that every situation is the same. But that's not to say that there shouldn't be an absolute, just common sense minimum for these types of things. Like, I mean, if you're going to, honestly, if you're going to suspend somebody the rest of a season for smoking weed, they should be suspended, what, three, four seasons for beating their kid or beating their spouse or whatever. Um, I mean, you're going to honestly tell me that uh, domestic abuse isn't four or five times worse compared to, you know, what they hand out for weed in the NFL. Um, I mean, I've talked about this before, you know, on one of my first podcasts when I talked about Antonio Brown. Um, I, You know, there's no place anywhere for that, obviously, anywhere in the world. Um, but now you're talking this, you know, you're ultimately telling me right now that Miles Garrett swinging a helmet on Mason Rudolph is worse than any of these domestic abuse and finally, it's worse than the smoking a joint penalty. Um, ultimately, I think Miles Garrett probably will end up back on the field in 2020. I don't think he should. Uh, these are the types of things where it's, you know, clearly, a, you know, Miles Garrett kind of came out and said it's, you know, it's not who he is. He acted out of character. He let his emotions get the best of him. Well, if that's who you are when your emotions get the best of you and you're playing in a league as violent as the NFL start to wonder if you honestly belong in this league. I really do. Um, because it's an emotional game. Competitive sports are an emotional time, an emotional field, and the NFL is arguably probably one of the most emotionally charged sports. So you get these grown men charging at each other and now swinging football helmets at each other, just tomahawk style. No place for that. Miles Garrett needs to be suspended at least you know, he is suspended this year. He needs to be suspended at least all of next year, in my opinion. Let him go to talk to Goodell to come back in 2021. Um, but I'm not I'm not seeing any reason why he should see the field before 2021. And that's, 
I could go probably all night, a whole half hour segment on just Miles Garrett. Um, but obviously I won't do that to you guys because I'm just going to start getting redundant at this point. <clears throat> I don't like it. I don't like what he did. I don't like his excuse. Um, I don't even think it's an excuse. I mean, he owned it, but he, you know, there was no sincerity in his apology, in my opinion. Um, I think Baker Mayfield showed the most sincerity in this whole situation when after the game he called out his teammate and just said it's unacceptable. He's hurting himself. He's hurting the team. He's physically hurting Mason Rudolph. Um, so obviously, you know, it's never excusable, but for Miles Garrett to almost just kind of dismiss it with one statement, I, that that is not enough for me. Um, and I'm I'm gonna end it there, but for Christ's sake, folks, so he he needs to learn from this. Switching a little bit of topics here, on to the 2019 college football rankings. Week 12 updated. We'll give you at least, uh, let me see here. We'll start 10, go down. So you got your 10th team, Oklahoma. Uh, Penn State, number 9. Minnesota, 8. Utah, 7. Oregon, 6. So now let's break into the top 5. Because the way they usually look at it, so I, I kind of cheaped Oregon there. Uh, the way they usually look at it is the four that are in and then the next two. Um, that's usually what you'll see in all the graphics for the college football rankings. You know, who are the next two in if one were to bump out. Um, so you got Oregon and Alabama. The Crimson Tide are sitting at number five. Um, now, I am on record of hating Alabama. Hate everything they do. Can't stand Saban. Most of their players end up being good, but I just I think it's part of that... Patriots hate them because they're successful mentality. Something about the whole University of Alabama just rubs me the wrong way. Uh, but you got Alabama at number five. Now, they dropped two spots. They were number three last week. Uh, they actually swapped with Clemson, but I'll get there in a moment. So we got Georgia. And honestly, Georgia is one of these teams, folks, I do not think belongs there. I would 20,000, you know, 20,000 times out of 100, I would take Alabama to be in the top four instead of Georgia. Uh, Georgia, I haven't seen anything out of them to be extremely competitive this year. Not saying they're a bad team, but compared to the rest of the college football playoffs and all the rest of the teams you got in there, um, I would really challenge you to find me somebody who genuinely believes that Alabama does not deserve to be in the playoffs instead of Georgia. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You look at the AP top 25, you got the top four of LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. Uh, and honestly, I think that that would be your playoff right there because comparing the AP top 25 to the college football playoff rankings in your top 10, the you know, the top 10 is the entire same. Uh, but you got Minnesota and Utah swapped at seven and eight. AP top 25 has Utah at eight. Uh, college football playoff has them at seven. Uh, then the one that's, you know, obviously Oregon stays at six. The one that really makes a difference is Georgia and Alabama. In AP top 25, they have Alabama at four and they have Georgia at five. And in the college playoff rankings, they have Georgia at four and Alabama at five. Uh, I think you need to swap those. I mean, Alabama dropped down from two to four in the top 25, and I think that's fair um, because, you know, getting into the top three, whoever is left is LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson. 
Um, and I I would very much easily say that LSU, who just beat Alabama, I think they could easily do it again. Ohio State, I think, has the talent and the coaching to beat Alabama. Uh, we know Clemson has the talent and the coaching to beat Alabama. So who else is left? Are you going to tell me confidently that Georgia is going to beat Alabama? I, I don't think so. I think we've seen time and time again, Georgia doesn't really ever have what it takes to just solidify themselves as a top competitor. Um, I think ultimately at the end of the season, you're going to see it be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama in some order. Um, now, ultimately, if Ohio State were to lose a game, um, you know, they've already went down a spot and they, they're undefeated too, like LSU. Um, I think if Ohio State were to lose a game, then Alabama would absolutely jump in. And I think you might see Clemson go up to two, Alabama at three, and Georgia at four, or Georgia at five. Um, but, you know, we're probably, it looks like at this rate, going to need Georgia to lose a game. Uh, or Alabama to absolutely just go on a scoring rampage and demolish a few teams. Um, can't believe these guys have me actually rooting for Alabama. I just think it's insane that you're going to tell me Alabama does not belong in the top four. Um, I mean, records come down to top three or undefeated. Georgia and Alabama are all at eight and one. Alabama's one loss is arguably to the best LSU team we've seen in the last what, five, ten years? Um, I mean, Coach O is doing insane things down for that program. Um, obviously, Alabama deserves to be in the top 20, or top four in my opinion, not top 24. And I just have never believed in Georgia being a very competitive college football team. Um, they're great. They're very talented. Their coaching staff is top in the nation, you know, up there. Um, but for for God's sakes, folks, you're going to sit there and with a straight face tell me Alabama does not deserve to be in over Georgia. Uh, I know Alabama's pretty much beat nobodies um, in their first loss, you know, up against LSU. LSU kind of looked like they were in control. I don't know, man. I just think ultimately when he gets down to it, I think college football playoff is going to show their bias. I think Alabama is going to be hot for the rest of the year. Georgia is going to be fine. Even if Georgia and Alabama win out, which... I'd have to look at their schedules. I would be shocked if they are even both able to do that. Um, I mean, I just don't see any reason why these teams don't uh, end up swapping by the end of the season. Um, Alabama schedule at Mississippi State versus Western Carolina. Um, so there's two wins right there. Um, their next even semi-competitive game, I guess, would be up against Auburn number 12, uh, and they're away at Auburn. So, I mean, I could, I could see Auburn running away with that. And if Auburn wins that game, Alabama's cooked. Alabama's not going to make it at two losses. Um, but I mean, with that being said, Alabama wins their next two games handedly and then goes on the road to also beat Auburn. I don't know, man. I'm just saying, I think, uh, I think Alabama's got a good shot to really pull back into the top four. Um, and I would be very, you know, very shocked in my honest opinion um, for Georgia to put up as competitive of a schedule for the rest of their season. Like this week alone, Georgia is going up against number 12 Auburn. Um, I mean, so 
there's a competitive opponent or a similar opponent right there. You got Georgia and Alabama both by the end of the year playing Auburn. Uh, I think, obviously, if one team wins, the other loses, then I think that one stays in the top four. Um, that meaning if Georgia beats Auburn and Alabama loses, then I think it stays as is. If Alabama beats Auburn, Georgia loses to Auburn, I think they swap. Um, and Georgia's other two games are at home against Texas A&M and on the road against Georgia Tech. So really, I mean, I could see Auburn being the difference maker. I think Auburn... And what they do against Alabama and Georgia, I think that's going to say a lot. Um, you know, if, say Georgia only beats Auburn by a last-second field goal, but Alabama can hang a 10-point victory on them. Is that enough to put Alabama in over Georgia? I don't know. I don't make those kinds of decisions. Um, but I, I think you'd make a damn good case for Alabama to top Georgia in that case. All right, folks, so we've got some NFL under our belt, some college football under our belt. Let's switch to some baseball diamond here. We got AL MVP was announced, NL MVP was announced, AL Cy Young, NL Cy Young, um, AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, it's definitely going to Chewbacca. Uh, AL Rookie of the Year and NL Rookie of the Year. So uh, we'll go into a little bit, a little summary of all of them. Uh, we had out of the MVP awards. American League didn't really seem like much of a competition in my eyes, but obviously it wasn't a runaway unanimously. But Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Angels takes the AL MVP. Out of the NL, it is the Nationals outfielder, Cody Bellinger. A uh, little bit of summary on what Mike Trout put together this year. He hit 291 batting average, 45 home runs, 104 RBIs, 110 runs. Led the American League in on-base percentage, slugging, on-base or on-base plus slugging. Uh, finished second in home runs in the league. With runners in scoring position, he hit 297. I mean, it's realistically, Trout is probably the closest thing to the greatest baseball player of all time that we've ever seen. Um, there's a lot of people obviously saying that he's just got what it takes to possibly be the Jordan of baseball. Um, I can see it. I believe it. I mean, coming up, even when he got drafted and it was the whole who's going to be better between Trout and Harper debate, I really thought and I genuinely believed this, that Harper had the raw talent to surpass Trout. Uh, clearly, I was wrong. Uh, either that or Harper just never got the right coaching and minor league bring up that Trout did. I mean... Bregman, uh, okay, so I'm looking at this and Bregman being one of the runners up here. Um, it's realistically, to me, like, I get it. Uh, I think Marcus Simeon of the A's came in third. Bregman of the Astros came in second. So, yeah, Trout obviously should have, I think, won this in my opinion. Bregman definitely had a good argument, um, but we've really never seen anything like Mike Trout in our lifetime. And I think with the amount of top one, top two, top three finishes. And I think he's only had one finish outside of the top three in MVPs in the last like seven years. Um, the guy is an absolute freak of talent. So credit where credit is due. Shout out to you, Mike Chow. Congratulations on your AL MVP. Now where I have a little bit of a beef. Cody Ballinger wins it of the LA Dodgers. Christian Yelich was the NL runner up. Uh, and it looks like Anthony Rendon came in third out of the three. Um, 
obviously, if you're if you're looking to just overall player of the year, uh, I'm, it's got to be Cody Bellinger. You put the two MVPs up together, um, and Cody Bellinger has better statistics, better batting average, I believe, is more home runs. I think the only thing Mike Trout beat him in was OPS, and it was by a couple points. Uh, so realistically, Cody Bellinger is definitely the overall MLB player of the year. Um, but I have my beef in the fact that Anthony Rendon, I know, and I know this is my argument for manager of the year too. You stop looking at these things when teams get into the playoffs. You look at regular season only. But for crying out loud, look at Anthony Rendon's collection of work this year. I mean, he put together a stat line like really he's never done in his career. I mean, very, very not even close. I mean, I'm out of words, clearly, and I'm just trying to also look at this regular season here. Um, Regular season batting average, 319, 34 home runs, 126 RBIs, 80 walks. Uh, I mean... I guess if you're looking for a knock, he had more strikeouts than walks this year. He had 86 strikeouts, um, which doesn't say much because the guy doesn't swing and miss all that much. Um, You're talking once every other game he strikes out. I think I would take that if I'm a manager. I think I'll take one every other game. Um, Now, not to say Bellinger and Yelich didn't deserve their awards, but just me being a Nats fan and looking at the collection of work that Anthony Rendon put together this year, I'm a little hurt. I'm a little salty, but I guess I will get over it. On to the Cy Youngs. A.L. Cy Young from the cheating Houston Astros. Justin Verlander, congratulations. Um, And obviously, you know, I don't believe that Verlander was any part of what was going down in Houston with this, you know, the sign stealing, uh, the camera out in center field and everything like that. But... You, you got to admit, everything with Houston is going to be a little tainted now. Uh, it just doesn't look great for anyone in that organization. All the players that, I shouldn't say all the players, but you know the allegations pretty much coming out from players that were on that team. Um, it doesn't look great when a year and a half, two years after you win a World Series, that you're getting outed like that. And it happened during the year you won that World Series. Um, but that's just me going off on a little salty tangent about the Astros getting caught doing dirty. Um, NL Cy Young, congratulations to arguably um, probably the second best pitcher we've ever seen in our lifetime, Jacob deGrom. Um, I say second because I know that uh, Scherzer came in third in the Cy Young Award this year. Um, He missed a lot of time, but I – I genuinely believe this statistically wise that Max Scherzer might be the best pitcher of our generation. Guy's an absolute workhorse. When he's not injured, he's out there grunting, doing what he can to get these wins. Um, even with missing all that time, Stras- or Strasburg, clearly see where my mind's at. I'm hoping, you know, reading ahead of time and hoping Nats can get some money out to Strasburg. But Scherzer missed a lot of time this year relative to what he usually does. Um, because of a back injury, and he still led the league in strikeouts per nine innings. Like, the guy is a monster. Um, but this isn't about Scherzer. It's about Jacob DeGrom and winning Cy Young. So congratulations to DeGrom. I mean, realistically, DeGrom had an absolutely stellar year. Um, and I'm really I'm kind of proud that the Cy Young was 
was going to be going to the NL East, in my opinion, either way. Um, you know, while Ryu of the Dodgers came in second, I think it was ultimately, if Scherzer played a whole year, it would have been, been between the two of them, uh, Scherzer and DeGrom. But, I mean, if you just look at what DeGrom was able to do this year, second half of the season, he went 7-1 and with a sub-1.5 ERA. It was 144 to be exact. Opposing hitters were only hitting 179 against him after the All-Star break. Um, I just, I don't know, man. It, I think DeGrom really put together a stellar season. Um, it, you know, it seemed like Ryu kind of had the award to lose. Um, obviously, with Scherzer's injury and DeGrom just, you know, not quite putting up the numbers that Ryu was for the first half. Uh, Ryu had, I'm just reading this here according to uh, Mullen on ESPN, Ryu had a 7.48 ERA in August. That is insane. I mean, you, you're you not going to win any sort of award, even with one month like that, unfortunately. And clearly, that's kind of what did it. Um, and ultimately, good for them, good for Verlander, good for DeGrom. Uh, I think they are two of the best pitchers in the game. And statistically, the voters had it right. Now, on to the last award that I will cover for the evening is going to be the Rookie of the Years. American League, Jordan Alvarez of the cheating Houston Astros. He won it unanimously. And it was actually insane. Um, Vlad Guerrero Jr., I really thought had a, you know, really would have had it. Um, But I just, from what I'm seeing here, realistically... Uh, he just wasn't even in the top three because Alvarez just made such an impact. Uh, I mean, he made his debut June 9th, hit 313, hit 27 home runs in 87 games. Um, and according to ESPN here, if you put those kind of numbers, his stat line over 150 games, you get just shy of 50 home runs and 134 RBIs. Uh, I mean, he was an absolute stud offensively. And I think it really made sense to me. Um, NL or NL rookie of the year, Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets. I think this also deserved to be unanimous. I think we've never really um, seen such a good rookie class out of the NL in such a long time. Um, Mike Soroka of the Atlanta Braves, Fernando, Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Padres. Um, they're insane talents. Kind of crazy that Tat, uh, Tatis, 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 uh, really don't know how to pronounce his name. Can't believe he didn't get a single first place vote, um, but it makes sense because of how close Alonzo was to being unanimous, um, and Soroka was right there on his tail. I mean, Alonzo, again, reading this from Mullen on ESPN, who's got all these great numbers that I'm just kind of listing off for you. Uh, you know, he hit 53 home runs as a rookie. That is insane. Uh, no surprise. I mean, you, you look at Mike Soroka, and in my opinion, it's always going to be tough for a defensive player such as a pitcher to win an award such as MVP or Rookie of the Year over an offensive player. I just think offense is flashy. I think offense gets the more attention. Um, and ultimately, um, I think those were right choices in both the Rookie of the Years. There's not too much more to... Uh, to dissect about those. But uh, last but not least, folks, Eagles, my Eagles, 
lose Darren Sproles for the rest of the season, tore his hip flexor muscle. Um, I think he's done. I think like I think he's this got to be it for him. He's probably got to retire after this year. Um, already took a lot to get him back, just physically and mentally. And I don't think he's I don't think he's going to be able to commit physically to another full season. Um, Jordan Howard hasn't really been cleared yet. I guess he, uh, you know, took a little bit of a shoulder ding in last week's game. Uh, or the last game they played, I should say, because we're coming off the bye. Um, but you know, he's still questionable, hoping they can get him cleared. Um, Eagles offense is going to be struggling a little bit. Alshon Jeffries out for the week. Um, but I mean, if you're looking for someone to kind of fill the void and add a little extra depth, Eagles bring back Jay Ajayi, officially signed him today. Um, I always like Jay Ajayi. I think he's going to be a little bit of a, uh, you know, a wait and see, a test to see how he does. Um, hasn't played in over a year. He suffered a torn ACL with the Eagles. Um, obviously they let him go as soon as that happened, but he's back. Um, and honestly, I, I'm excited to see him back. I, I always liked Jay Ajayi. Uh, I think when they kind of took him over from Miami that we were in a good shape. Um, and ultimately I am really excited to hopefully see Ajayi boost out or burst out. Um, I don't want to see him kind of take over the role from Jordan Howard, but you know, I think he's got the capability to definitely help. Folks, that is it for me. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and thanks for taking a half hour out of your day to listen to this, whether it's today, tomorrow, this week, next week. Thank you so much. Um, We definitely will be back next week moving apartments, so it's a lot going on right now, but I will be back, and I promise you that I appreciate y'all, love y'all. Good night.